Turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to continue in our study of the armor of God. We'll review a little bit, of course, after we read the scripture, just to remember where we're at. and We're covering another piece of the armor that we need to put on. Notice beginning in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand." Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now you remember, we've, uh, as we've covered this, it is something that God tells us to do, tells us to put on. Notice verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. This is not piecemeal. You're not going to make it in this battle taking up only part of the armor. Now, please understand, we're not talking about heaven or hell in any of this. We're talking about making it in the Christian life as a success for God, making your life count. Not talking about being a success in business. I'm not talking about being the best you can be in athletic life or business life or uh, what it's going to be like in your portfolio for retirement. There's a battle that is going on. Now, a lot of Christians are kind of, they're asleep to the battle. There are a lot of Christians who really believe today that the Christian life, they have substituted the American dream for the Christian life. That you have everything you want, that you be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's God's plan for you, and that is not what life is about at all. Whether, therefore, you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's what the scripture says. We are here to bring honor and glory to Him. The devil doesn't want us to bring honor and glory to him. Now, thank God, once we get saved, the devil never can get our souls. But he can get our testimony. There's a battle going on. He does not want you to reach anybody else. He doesn't want you to reach your neighbors. He doesn't want you to reach your family. He doesn't want you to reach your children. You understand? There's a battle going on. This is real. And so God provides for us armor. And he says, put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because we're in a battle. That's why. He has everything that we need to be what we ought to be in this Christian life. Do you understand that the goal of the Christian life is not to be happy? Happiness can be a byproduct of an obedient Christian life. But that's not the goal of the Christian life. The Christian life is to glorify God. That is our goal. That is why we are here. And so in this battle that we are facing, whether it be the 
whether it be what he talks about in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And the wiles of the devil are there to deceive us. People are so easily deceived anymore. When I read about a product that I think might help my knees not to hurt anymore, one of the first things I do is I write the name of the product and scam and the word scam after that in the, uh, in the website search and have it call up to let me know if this is a scam. I don't trust anybody. I mean, especially if they tell me that they're going to take care of things and nothing else I've used and taken care of. I mean, I'm tired of spending money for a little electric belt to put on your stomach and have it zap you. I'm not doing that stuff anymore. I've learned. Learned some of that the hard way. Amen. But this, this book has everything that you need. Every piece of armor in one way or another is connected to the word of God. You have in the scripture everything you need to be what you ought to be in your Christian life. Now, the scripture is good for a number of reasons, and I've given these to you the last few weeks as we review just a little bit. It gives us the doctrines to teach us and to ground us so that we not be blown about by every wind of doctrine. It gives us warnings to alert us and to prepare us. Those warnings help. We get so busy with life, we're not watchful at all. God gives us the warnings that we need. He gives us the rebukes to correct us. He gives us the promises to sustain us. And he gives us encouragements to comfort us. God gives us everything that we need in the scripture. Walmart doesn't have everything we need. Sam's doesn't have everything we need. Neither does Costco. Ollie's doesn't have everything we need. God has everything we need. And for that, we need to be in the Word of God. Now, when we got to the book of Ephesians, it begins by telling us to believe right about our security, about our purpose, about our protection, to believe right about our salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. And then the last couple of chapters, he deals a lot with living right so that we would show the product of what is supposed to be take place in our life when we get saved. That getting saved does change your behavior. You're not like you used to be. You're not to walk in darkness anymore like you did when you were lost. When we get to the middle of chapter 6, he's basically closing out the book by telling us about the armor that he has provided for us so that we could be everything we ought to be in our Christian walk. He told us about the problems that we would have, the wiles of the devil to, de uh, to deceive us, the battle to defeat us, and the evil day to defile us. Now, we know that. That's just so. That's the way it is. And by the way, when it comes to being deceived, we're easily deceived. I mean, we've got a heart that's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible said it's a fool that trusteth in his own heart. We are so easily deceived. Then there's the battle to defeat us. And there are a lot of Christians that get discouraged in the battle like they never realized that once they got saved that there would be a battle that they might have to fight. And it's not might have to fight. It's definitely will have to fight. And that there's an evil day out there to defile us. The wickedness that abounds on every hand. We have no excuse for being like the people of Nineveh 
who couldn't discern their right hand from their left. There are a lot of people who claim to be saved that seem to have no idea what's wrong and what's right. And yet the scripture makes it very plain for us. Now in identifying the problems, he gives us some commands to prepare us. He starts out by saying, be strong in the Lord. He tells us to put on the whole armor of God. He tells us then to stand and having done all, to stand. We have a responsibility to stand. We just kind of want to float through this Christian life. But that's not the way it works. Now, two weeks ago, we dealt with the first part of the armor. You remember back there in verse 14, he said, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. The very basis of the armor, the very first thing, truth. Thy word is truth. When you're talking about truth, you're talking about the word of God. It is true from beginning to end. You can count on God's word. God doesn't lie to us. God has told us his truth. We need to follow his truth, believe his truth. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then he said, next part, he says, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. He is not talking about here the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of Christ is something that you got when you got saved. God applied the righteousness of Christ to you So that when he sees you, he doesn't see you in your dirty sin. He sees the righteousness of his son. That's why there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Because he sees the righteousness of Christ when he sees us who have been saved. This is something. You see, the righteousness of Christ, he's put on us. But the breastplate of righteousness, that outward garment that everyone could see. You see a Roman soldier and you saw them with that breastplate that they had on. It was not just there for protection. It was also there for identification. People say that is a Roman soldier. It offered protection for them, but it also offered uh, protection for them. And he says, you need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. It's another way of letting us know that people should see who we belong to. This breastplate is an outer garment, not an inner garment. And it is useful for us in the battle. So today, we looked at the next piece. And, uh, you know, when you read it, after reading about the armor of God, this is not something that you would think about as armor, and yet it is absolutely essential To the armor of God. Notice he says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, why the feet? Why not something for the mouth? Because after all, if you're talking about the gospel of peace, this is something we go out and tell to others. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Scripture says in Romans chapter 10, how shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So you think, well, why, if you're talking about the gospel of peace, would you be dealing with the feet and not the mouth in this particular case? Uh, Because we have to take that gospel to other people. There are some people who have this idea. All right, Madison, Alabama, we're a church, we're here. If people want the gospel, they can come and get it. Now, the problem with that and the major problem with that is this. 
God never, never commands the lost to go to church. He commands the church to go to the lost. And obviously, if you're dealing with armor, with the picture here is dealing with that armor that would have been worn by the Roman legions who were, that was the empire that was around it that day, that this needs to be something for us to be better able to present the uh, gospel of peace, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we do. We are commanded to go into all the world. The feet must carry you where you can proclaim it. Paul's testimony in Acts chapter 20 and verse 31, he said, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now, if he's warning everyone night and day with tears, he's not standing in one place on one street corner. He's going out and spreading the gospel. In Acts chapter 8, you remember the church at Jerusalem had been told, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. They'd been told by the Lord Jesus in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. But when you get to Acts chapter 8, they haven't gone anywhere. Now, they've been preaching the gospel, but they have only been preaching it in Jerusalem. They haven't left. And so God, I believe God himself, stirs up Saul of Tarsus to go out and to persecute the believers so that they would depart and go out and preach the gospel. Go over to Acts chapter 8 for just a moment. Acts chapter 8. Now think about this. They've been winning people to Christ. It's not that they haven't been winning people, but they were commanded to go to the world. Now notice, this is after the stoning of Stephen. It says in verse 1, And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad, now underline this, went everywhere preaching the word. It took persecution to get the church to do what God told them to do. God's going to get his message out one way or another. They had been disobedient. He gets them to go out. It's interesting, by the way, it's after this that the church at Antioch gets started and Barnabas pastors it for a while. And then he gets Saul of Tarsus, who will later become, be known as Paul, the apostle. Uh, he gets Saul to come and to help him. And the Bible tells us in chapter 11 of the book of Acts that they were called Christians first, not at Jerusalem. They were called Christians first at Antioch, even with the thousands that they had seen saved at Jerusalem, they were called Christians first at Antioch. I believe there's some very good reasons for that in the word of God. 
Also, even though we are to defend the faith at times, the key is that we're to go and to preach the gospel. People need to know the message that we have. The gospel of peace, he says. You see, proper footwear, if you're going to do anything, you need it. Now, of course, when I'm preaching, I'm standing up most of the time. On Wednesday mornings, I still sit down for that. But the last few years, and maybe some of you folks who are a little older than me could tell me if this is normal or not. But the last few years, my shoes don't fit like they used to fit, and my feet hurt. Is that normal? Does anybody else have that problem? Oh, good. We got, yeah, that sounds terrible. Good. I'm glad your feet hurt. Oh, amen. That's <laughs> tremendous. Makes me feel better. I mean, I'm, I'm buying as many shoes as Imelda Marcos had, it seems like, just trying to find shoes that won't hurt my feet. I mean, there are times I go home after preaching for 45 minutes, and uh, I have to take my shoes off and just, and just soak my feet for a while because my feet hurt. Imagine traveling to take the gospel of Jesus Christ out and not having proper footwear. Especially if all you're doing is walking. And that's what you did all the time. Well, that's a problem that I have. But he talks about, notice again in the verse, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That word preparation has the idea, it's a term that is used in classical Greek in the sense of a firm foundation. You know, we don't need to muddy the waters on this matter. We need to be very clear what the message is. You look at the statements about salvation and the, in the scripture, and they are very, very clear. And when you talk about the gospel, now we know it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You understand, though, there are a lot of people in Christendom that don't have a clue that that's what the gospel is. They don't know. They don't have a firm foundation. As a matter of fact, let's just take one group. Let's take the Campbellites, founded by Thomas and Alexander Campbell, back in the early part of the 1800s. Came out of the Baptist, by the way, the Red River Baptist Association of Kentucky and Tennessee. They, they were Baptists. But Thomas and Alexander Campbell came to the conclusion that just trusting Christ wasn't enough, that you had to be baptized for the remission of sins in order to have your sins remitted. And if you didn't get baptized according to that, you were lost. If you were to ask a Campbellite preacher, what is the gospel? He would say, you've got to hear, you got to believe, you got to receive and repent and be baptized and hold on to the end. You see, even after the first five parts of that, if you don't hold on to the end, you're still not going to heaven. But the truth is, that's not the gospel at all, according to the scripture. They talk about having gospel meetings and they never give the gospel. You got to hear, believe, receive, repent and be baptized and hold on to the end. You've got to have the right gospel. You need to have that thing nailed down. That's your firm foundation. It's to me, it is amazing today that even among Baptists, we're having discussions about what saves a person. Well, if you don't have that matter settled, then friend, you've got no message to bring. And the truth is there are a lot of people who are doing nothing but bringing about more confusion. Don't make the gospel hard. It's not hard. You understand? And it's not hard to be saved. Amen. Now, that's why I hate the term easy believism, because I believe it's easy to believe. 
I don't have to jump through hoops. <clears throat> I have to realize I'm lost. I have to realize that the gospel message, he died for my sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the scripture. Jesus paid it all. Amen. All to him I owe. He took it all. When I stopped trusting in myself, I turned from what I was trusting to put my trust in nothing but the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he saved me. That's enough for me. I'm satisfied with Jesus. I have believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, according to the scriptures, I have the gift of eternal life. By the way, this is not an aviation ministry. It's not a mechanized ministry. This is a ministry that requires us to go. Now, I think as we are in the latter days, social media has offered the church a way to feel like they're spreading the gospel without going. And I think personally that there are a lot of pastors who are substituting their podcast for what they're supposed to be doing and getting the gospel out. Well, I've got 100 viewers now on my podcast. I'm getting the message out there. No, have your feet shod, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It is our job to go to them. I mean, we don't still find anything in the scripture. I'm not against you if you have a podcast. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But that's no substitute for obedience in taking the gospel to the world around us. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, we are commanded to preach the word. Or as Paul told the Romans in Romans 1.15, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome. Thank God for missionaries. Thank God for a missionary sending church. Thank God for bus ministries where people go to reach folks. Thank God for visitation. Thank God for tracks that we can take the gospel out so we've got something to leave after we've passed down to that corner and other people can read the gospel. Hallelujah for it. It's wonderful. This is, this, listen, if we're not going to do this, what is even the need of the armor? We're not even in the battle. If we're not doing this, we are not even in the battle. Last, let's say last Saturday, the Iron Bowl game was played down at uh, Auburn, wasn't it? Now, how, how many people does uh, Auburn Stadium hold? Anybody know? 82,000 people, give or take a person. And there's probably a few people that sneak in, but okay, 82,000 people. Now, you count the football teams, there's probably, what, 70-some people on the team, plus you got coaches and sub-coaches and uh, trainers and personnel like that. You got all that going on. So let's go ahead and raise it up to 83,000 people. But do you know 83,000 people didn't score touchdowns? Only a small number of people scored touchdowns because really it was only a small number of people that even touched the ball. You understand that? Just because they're all there. There are a lot of people who went to church last Sunday too, but very few of them had told anybody through the week about Jesus Christ and the need for Christ. 
Very few. Lots of Christians, and they go to church, but very few have done the very reason that we've been left behind. And that's to get the gospel out to a lost and dying world. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. Now you wonder, why does he use the term the gospel of peace? Well, Romans 5, 1 declares, therefore being justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, we have been reconciled to God by the death of his son. John 3, 18, he that believeth on him hath everlasting life. He that believeth not shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. John 3, 36, he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the son shall not see life. I said that, but the wrath of God abideth on him. I mixed that up with John 3, 18, I'm sorry. Uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Yes, there's peace. I've been reconciled to God. It is the gospel of peace. I don't have to be concerned about going to hell. I don't have to be concerned about uh, uh, standing at the great white throne judgment. Thank God my sins are forgiven. I have peace with God. And because of that peace with God that the world cannot experience until they come to Jesus. It's not the gospel of denomination. It's the gospel of peace. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He didn't say, except a man be a Baptist. You've got to have Christ as Savior. Oh, well, that's what you Baptists believe. Well, good. That's one of the reasons I'm a Baptist. But we aren't the only ones. Listen, anybody who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the Jesus Christ of this book, not a phony Jesus, not the Jesus of the Jehovah's Witnesses. You see, they believe Jesus is simply the archangel Michael who became a God, who, yes, was crucified, and they'll say he rose spiritually from the dead, but he didn't rise bodily from the dead. That's a phony Jesus. That's a false Jesus. Not the Jesus of the Mormons, who is a half-brother to Lucifer, No, not the Jesus of the Mormons. You've got to have the right Jesus in order to go to heaven when you die. But you take the right Jesus as your Savior, trusting his death-bound resurrection for your salvation, and you get eternal life. It is more than simply good news. In 1 and 2 Corinthians, the word is used 15 times. Is the resurrection part of the gospel? Absolutely. You've got to believe he rose from the dead. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Man, what is wrong with me? Romans 4.25, he was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. You must believe in his resurrection. He came bodily out of the grave. In John chapter 2, Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews mocked him. They said, 40 and six years was this temple and building. Wilt thou rear it up in three days? They thought he was talking about Herod's temple. The Bible says in the next verse, but he spake of the temple of his body. He 
bodily came out of that grave. He told the disciples in Luke chapter 24, handle me and see. He said, behold, my hands and my feet, handle me and see. A spirit hath not flesh and bone as ye see me have. He came bodily out of the grave. And by the way, with the church, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we are on the attack. We, we're not to be sitting back, hunkered down, us four and no more, and we're holding on to the end. No, we are on the, the attack to take the gospel to the world. Remember when Jesus gave the promise, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Understand, the picture that Jesus makes very plain is that we're on the attack against the gates of hell. The gates of hell are not on the attack against us. We're on the attack against them. We're wanting to win these people to Christ so that they don't die and go to hell. Missionary C.T. Studd made this statement. Some wish to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. See, for the Roman soldier, this preparation uh, of the gospel of peace, for a Roman soldier, it meant marching to the battle. And it meant marching in the battle. Footwear was one of the keys to their success. After all, you were hampered trying to play football with a sore foot. You wound somebody. You knock them out of the fight. They may still be on the battlefield, but you've knocked them basically out of the fight. This piece of armor is of monumental importance because if we don't understand what the mission is, what these particular shoes are about, what this footwear is about, if a soldier doesn't have a clue as to why he's there, he's already defeated. And the battle is already lost. Now we're just in that day where we need to understand the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. Look at what we've studied so far. Go back to verse 14. He says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Have you figured out what truth is yet? Have you figured it out? The well, Bible's truth. All of it? All of it. You don't get to pick and choose here. This is not a cafeteria. All of it is true. He says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Know the book. Know the book. You know, Brother Davison got saved late in life. He was 49 years of age when he got saved and he had lived a rough life. He, he got saved, and he was excited about being saved. There wasn't any doubt about that. Within just a couple of years of getting saved, he knew God had called him to preach. And he came down to here from Wisconsin to study. And one of the things, of course, that we did in a lot of classes, we gave people verses to memorize. Now, he had trouble while he was in school, but he didn't stop studying when school was over. He kept studying, and he got those scriptures down. And every time that we, I had him preach, every time, he would always quote a bunch of scripture. One of the things about Brother Jim, and those Rock of Ages missionaries will tell you, he knew where the truth was, and he wasn't backing down on any of it. 
Have your loins girt about with truth. The reason some are so wishy-washy, you've never nailed down truth. And you'll be wishy-washy. I mean, everything will change as your mood changes. Until you nail down truth. What is God's word? And then the second part, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Having that outward testimony of what is to be an inward reality. And then your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, we're not done. There's more of the armor that we're going to look at in the next few weeks. And they also are associated with thus saith the Lord. And we're going to look at that. But you say, man, I want to be in this battle everything that I ought to be. I want to be what the Lord wants me to be. I want to accomplish what God wants me to accomplish while I'm here on this earth. Then put on the whole armor of God. Because without that armor, you're not going to be effective in the battle he's called us to. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray you'd use these truths to challenge our lives. Dear God, may we stand for you. May be willing, may we be willing to pay the ultimate price at getting the gospel to a lost and dying world. Father, have your way. Use us. Bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.